Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Well, it is great to be here with you, Grace Community Church. And uh, it's been a little while, but uh, you're always in my heart. And uh, when I think about you uh, up in this area of Michigan, and believe me, uh, Jenner and I, we have a lot of churches that support us in our ministry all over Michigan. And uh, we thank you that you're one of the churches that continues to help us going, uh, keep us going. Now, one of the interesting things, of course, with the pandemic is we have not been able to get over to Germany in quite a while. Uh, so we've just said, God, we're just going to go as much as we can in the United States, and uh, at least to the states that will let us come there. And uh, so we, uh, last year uh, during the pandemic, uh, I was still able to preach over 70 times. So we just praise the Lord. Yeah, it's great. And I never got the COVID virus so far. All right? Okay? But anyways... We are thankful to God for, for what he's doing, and uh, it's great to have my wife with me this time. I think last time I was here, Jenner wasn't here, my wonderful wife, Jenner, and uh, she helps me so much in my ministry. I remember when we signed up to be missionaries, they were going to put, you know, uh, all the, 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 like, like the salary that we raised was like they were going to put it on my account, and uh, of course, you know, and Jenner's like, yeah, but the guy looked at her and said, well, do you do anything? She goes, I do everything, you know. So she's the one, yes. She's the one that does all the books and the scheduling and the plane tickets. And, and uh, she just tells me, Ken, you need to go here next week. I'm like, okay. So she keeps me going. And a huge part of the ministry uh, in prayer and uh, her spiritual life is way beyond mine. But anyways, great to be here with you today. And um, I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture this morning that is uh, very precious to me. The Lord has really used this in my life. Um, I don't know about you. Do you love the, the Apostle John? Do you love his writings? I just love his writings. I want to invite you this morning to turn to the Gospel of John, the very last chapter, chapter 21. It's a story of Jesus revealing himself to the apostles, the disciples, one more time. And uh, it's very interesting, this story is only recorded in the Gospel of John. I don't know if you know that the Gospel of John was probably written, is one of the very last books written in the Bible, or probably around 90 A.D., okay? A lot of the other books are written around the 50s, the 60s. Um, this was almost 30 years later when John wrote his when he wrote his gospel. A lot of the other apostles had already passed away. John was very young when he was an apostle. They think he was probably a teenager when he walked with Jesus. And so a lot of the, the other apostles were older, had passed away, and he was writing this last gospel. And that's why John is so different from all the others. I think he tries to fill in some of the blanks uh, that some of the others didn't address. And this story is one of those. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, you know all that happened in Jerusalem. In John chapter 21, the disciples, seven of them had gone up to Galilee. 
So Galilee is up by the Sea of Galilee. That's kind of like a different state. Judea's down where Jerusalem is. And then up north, you have Galilee. And so these, after they had seen the resurrection of Christ, and you got to remember one of the things he told them in Matthew 28, we have an account, and also Mark 16, where Jesus tells them to go to Galilee and we will meet you on a mountain that is appointed. Okay, keep that in mind. Go to a mountain in Galilee. So they're down in Jerusalem. He says, now, I want you to go to Galilee, and I'll meet you on a mountain for further instructions or whatever. And so that's why they're supposed to go to Galilee, all 11 of them. Well, I don't know where the other four are, but in this story, we have seven of them that do something else. So let's begin in chapter 21. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. I really love this way John kind of tells this story. He said, now, there was these other revelations that we talk about in chapter 20 about how he came to them in Jerusalem. He said, you know what, there's another story. There was another time when Jesus, in his resurrected body, revealed himself to his disciples. And here's how he did it. He's, I, I just love the way he's telling this story. And he goes, here, I'm going to tell you about this thing, and I want you to listen up. So, verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now what I want to talk about today, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture. In a moment we're going to talk about how Jesus revealed himself uh, to these uh, disciples. Okay, And he does it in many ways, I see a constant remembering. It's kind of like Jesus reveals himself to them, of course, in the present. But he says, you know, he kind of brings up some things from the past, all right? And it's very neat how this is all woven together in this passage. So he has them remember some things to reveal himself now. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want to talk about remembering, as we look at this passage, remembering four wonders of our salvation to reveal Christ to us now, okay? So if you're taking notes, we're going to look at helping us remembering four wonders of our salvation to reveal Christ to us now. I don't know about you, I need this constant reminding by the Holy Spirit. You remember this? You know, because sometimes we, well, let, let's look at the situation. Peter is kind of the head of these guys. He's kind of like the, the lead apostle. And so Jesus says, now I want you to go to Galilee and meet me on a mountain. So they go to Galilee, and are they on a mountain, folks? No, they're in the sea. You know what? Peter's probably like, I don't know. Jesus resurrected from the dead. He appeared to us, and... He's like going to all the world and, you know, and uh, preach the gospel. And then he leaves and they're like, I, you know, what are we supposed to do with this? 
Well, they're supposed to go to Galilee and meet, 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 meet him on a mountain. Are they on a mountain? No. What does Peter say? I'm going fishing. Okay. Can I tell you why? And, and the other six guys are like, yeah, we'll go with you. That seems like a great idea. We don't know what to do with this resurrected Christ, but you know what? I know how to fish, and I got to make a living doing something. And so he goes back to what's familiar to him. And you know what? Sometimes when the, you know, can you imagine seeing the resurrected Christ for the first time? It was like, whoa. And it said he showed him his hands and his his side, you know, and they saw these wounds. And, of course, remember, they, the door was locked, and they're up in the upper room, and, and Jesus is there. So he, he, he probably walks through the walls. This new resurrected body is really something else. So can you imagine, the, like, the wow, the wow factor, okay? He walks through, he walked through the walls, you know, and he says, yeah, it's a real body. He says, give me some fish. I'll eat some fish. He ate fish. With this new body, this is so cool. Woo, you're raised from the dead. Yeah, see you later. Now, what do we do with this? When the shine wears off, sometimes we go back to what's familiar, what's easy. And I can just see Peter's like, well, uh, what do we do, Peter? I'm going fishing. You know what? We'll go with you. And I can say, so Peter, he takes off his shirt, you know, and he's in the front of that boat. You know, man, I'm back to what's... You know, what I used to do, fishing, and I can just see him riding on a sea of galley in that boat, and the water's crashing over the bow of the ship and spraying Peter, and he's got that net and, like, throwing it out there. We're fishing again, boys, you know. We're, and uh, remember, the sons of Zebedee had been in partnership with them, and they're out there fishing, and but they caught nothing. How many, maybe, you're like, there was a time in my life when, my spiritual life was really cooking, and it was exciting when I first met Jesus, and, you know, and then the shine wore off, and you got to go back to work, and, you know, or you, you come to this church, man, this is a great church, and then the shine wears off. You're like, oh, we got to go to church, and oh, now pandemic, and we just kind of go back to what we were usually doing. Now, Jesus had told them, I want you to go to a mountain. Did they go to the mountain? No. Well, the first thing I want you to see as we look at the next verses, and we're going to look at these four wonders. We're going to remember four wonders of our salvation to help Jesus reveal himself to us now. What's the first one? Let's look at verse. the next verse, verse 4. Just as day was breaking, so they fished all night, the sun was coming up, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. Number one, here's the first wonder I want you to remember. Think about in your salvation. Number one, remember the wonder of his grace. Number one, remember the wonder of his grace. Now, he told them, Go wait for me on a mountain in Galilee. Where are they? on a boat in the sea. So I can just, you know, how would you address these guys? You get to the shore, he comes to the shore, he, he knows where they are, and he's like, hey, knuckleheads, out there fishing, what are you doing? Well, we, we, what did I tell you to do? Go to the mountain, where are you? In a boat in the sea? Yeah. I am really upset with you. 
You can never do anything I tell you to do. All I have to do, go to a mountain, where you're fishing, get over here right now. How do some of you feel this morning? You're like, you know what? I'm not doing very good in my spiritual life. You know, I know what I ought to be doing, but I haven't been doing what I should be doing. No, Jesus comes to the shore and he addresses them. Children, have you caught any fish? <laughs> children. I, yeah, I looked through. I said, is there any other time when Jesus addressed them as children? And I found it in uh, John chapter 13 at the Last Supper when he says to them, now guys, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, what? And they're like, John, ask him who it is. And, you know, John said, who's going to betray you? And then, and then he, later on he says, he says, now children, where I'm going, you can't come with me. No, we want to. Peter's like, no, I'll, I'm coming with you. If everybody else leaves you, I won't. He goes, don't worry. Before the rooster crows three times, or before a rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He tells them very tenderly, you know what? You're going to fail. Children, you're not going to come with me. We want to. No, children, precious little children. And he comes with the same grace. They're not where they're supposed to be. But he comes to them and he says, children, have you caught any fish? Can I tell you what? We need to remember the grace of God. Do you remember the first time you really met Jesus? I grew up in a church where, you know, I mean, uh, I was taught, you know, and whether I mistaken the message or not, I just thought, man, I, I've got to do good. I've got to keep the law. I've got to, and I tried. And, I, you know, my, my parents made me go to church. I mean, I went to church every Sunday, and I thought, I'm doing pretty good. I, I really, you know, now I know when I go out in the barn, I swear at the cows like crazy, and, and uh, you know, and, and I'm looking at pornography, and, and, uh, and uh, boy, I do all these bad things in school, and I lie, and, and my parents don't know about it. But look at the neighbor. He doesn't go to church on Sunday. He bells hay on Sunday. I'm better than him. You know, I'm trying my best. And, I, and uh, man, I remember I go to Sunday school, and, and uh, we have Bible drills, and I, I have more gold stars than anybody else, finding the verses faster than anybody else. And I take communion, and, and I join the church. I remember, you know, at the age of 12, they gave us all a confirmation class, and I joined, and the pastor even put his hands on my head and said some hocus-pocus, something, you know, you're in, you know, and I'm like, wow, I think it works, works, and I kept getting worse with my swearing and worse with the pornography and worse, and, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm sure God, someday he's going to He's going to meet me in heaven, and I die, and he's going to be like, you rotten little piece of garbage. And I was like, mm -hmm. and I went to camp at the age of 15. And instead he said, children, Kenny, I love you. 
but I'm, I'm, you don't realize I'm, I know what you are. I heard every swear word. But I love you. I died for you. And I know you can't. You can't do it. I did it on the cross. Come here, children. Come here. I want to save you. Do you think that was wonderful to me? And the preacher gave that invitation. I was like, you mean you want me, God? And I came to him. His grace, his gift. He gave me his son. But you know, there's been other times after I've been saved and I haven't done exactly what I should. I, I'm not where I ought to be. And he's come to this seashore and he's like, Kenny, have you caught anything? No, I'm out here doing my own thing, fishing, and have you caught anything? No. Chill, come here, come back. Oh, remembering the grace of God. And so he comes in very tenderly. He helps them remember. Remember at the Last Supper, I said, children, you can't go with me but you're going to go with me now. Children, have you caught anything? And I want to ask you this morning, are you here this morning or out there in TV land? Are you where you shouldn't be? You just kind of falling back like, oh, I'll just go fishing. And he's come to you this morning and he says to you, children, have you caught anything? No, Lord, without you, it's, it's you know, fishing isn't the same. Well, he comes to you in grace. So remember the wonder of his grace. Oh, wow, if we ever forget that, we're doomed. And he invites you back this morning. Come back to me. i got a better plan for you. Stop fishing. Follow me. There's a second wonder we need to remember of our salvation. That's number two, the wonder of his call. Number two, the wonder of his call. Look at verse 6. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Number two, the wonder of his call. You know what's really interesting about this part? When they said, no, we haven't caught any fish, he goes, uh, cast the net on the other side, of the, on the right side of the boat, whether that means the correct side or actually the right side of the boat, I don't know, but they'd been fishing somewhere and caught nothing. He says, try the other side. All right. Does this sound familiar? Do you remember when they went out, when Jesus is in Capernaum, and that was the hometown of Peter and, and John and uh, Andrew and, uh, and uh, uh, James, and they were partners there. Remember, they had the two boats, and Jesus, the crowd was so big, Jesus 
He told Peter, he said, can I use your boat, you know, cast out? And they did, and, and uh, Jesus taught them for a while, and when he was done, he looked at Peter, and, you know, Peter's probably sitting in the boat watching Jesus teach the whole time, you know. And he gets done, and he says, uh, he says, uh, have you caught any fish? And he goes, no. And he said, we fished all night and didn't catch anything. They'd been cleaning their nets there when Jesus asked them to use their boat. And he said, well, cast your net out again. He goes, well, we've been fishing all night, didn't catch anything, but at your bidding I will. And they threw the net out, and, and James and John were there with them too. And they threw their net out, and, and they caught so many fish, they had to say, James and John, bring your boat out. And they filled them, they both started sinking. And, and Peter was like, oh my, you know, you are God, you know, and he saw this great work of God, and he bowed down. He says, depart from me. I'm an unclean man, you know, and I'm not worthy of you to be in my boat. And he says, Peter, you know what? He says, from now on, instead of catching fish, you're going to be a fisher of men, the call. Can you, hey, listen, this is no mistake. He's like, uh, I want you to know who I am. Cast the net on the other side. And they threw it out. And whoosh, and like, whoa. And it started waiting. They're like, John was smart enough to say, remember? Remember? Peter, remember when he first called us? The same thing. And Peter goes, you're right. Of course, Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, he puts his coat on. I don't know why he put his coat on because he jumps into the water then. You know, I mean, he probably wasn't thinking. He jumps in the water and starts making, you know, his way to the shore. And uh, so, but it was the wonder of his call. You remember the wonder of God's call? Oh, I remember the wonder of the call to salvation. But what about the other call to, to, to labor, to, to work for the Lord? I remember after I got saved, I, I was just so enamored with the gospel. I thought... This is the, you know, I, I tell this in a lot of my messages, and my wife, we, we kind of joke about this. That, that to me, it was like, this is the secret to the universe. You know, doesn't this give meaning for, for everything, you know, that Jesus died? I mean, it's not by works. What a message. The wonder of my call to salvation was great, but, but then I remember as, as I started living it out and I'd go to church, I started going to a new church that was preaching the Bible, and, and here I was as a 15-year-old teenager you know, going by myself to church because I wanted to, and, and our pastor, oh, he was a fireball. He's up there and preaching the gospel and teaching us the deeper truths, and I'm just eating it up and eating it up, and and uh, then I remember this one day this boring preacher came, a guest preacher came, and, and he was really boring. And, you know, he's like, and I was upset, you know, like, how can you get up and preach about Jesus and be boring? And I remember I put my head down. I looked at the floor of the, of the, the rug in our church there, and I looked down, and I said, oh, that's terrible. I said, Lord, I could preach a better message than that. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit said, Ken Rudolph, that's what I want you to do. And I raised my head up. I'm like, I'm going to be a pastor. <laughs> and I went home and I said, Mom, I'm going to be a pastor. And my mom's like, oh, that's wonderful. I said, Dad, I'm going to be a pastor. He says, they don't make any money. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I remember the, the wonder of that call when God called me to be a pastor. I remember different times and the wonder of his call when I'd kind of been in Bible college so long, I'd kind of lost my love for souls that, 
you know, sometimes you can be in it so much, you just kind of, you know, you, you get into the teaching, but maybe not the excitement of why you're there. And, and I remember as this evangelist came uh, to our college, and, and he, he taught about, uh, uh, out of Proverbs, four things that never cry out, it, it, it is enough. And I remember the first one, he talked about that, uh, uh, or the second point was that one of the things that never cries out, it is enough, is the empty womb. And he talked about how Rachel said to, to, um, to uh, Jacob, she says, give me a baby or I die. And I remember how uh, Hannah, he said, Hannah, she, she wanted a child. I want a baby. I want a baby. And he says, you know what? We as believers, we should always want to be leading someone to Christ, the empty womb. It never cries out. And I realized I'd lost my love for souls. And I remember the wonder of his call that night when the Lord called me to the altar. And I wept because I'd forgotten the wonder of bringing people to Christ and how important that is in a man's heart. You know how he changed me. I think the next weekend I went out and I started witnessing out in the streets of Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you've ever been in Scranton, Pennsylvania, they don't have any street lights. It's a pretty ugly place. But I remember finding, <laughs> I went with a friend and we found these two young men walking, three young men walking down the street. And uh, <clears throat> my friend, he was a lot bolder than me, and he goes, there's some people. And he, we were in a truck. He pulls the truck over. He says, you kids, get over here. And they're like, whoa, are we in trouble? He says, no, we're here to preach the gospel to you. And I was just kind of standing there like, I'm with him, you know. <laughs> and uh, he turned, he had a flashlight. It was late at night. He's preaching to him, And they're like, listen, we got to go to see our friends, you know. And, and uh, this guy was with Johnny. goes, good, take us to your friends. <laughs> and we ended up in back of a factory, this old factory in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, and behind this factory was 60 teenagers drinking and smoking and carousing and boom boxes on. And we went back there. And the guy that we brought with us, he was the leader of this group. And he goes, everybody sit down and shut up. This guy's going to preach to you. <laughs> and John preached the gospel to him. My buddy John preached. And six kids came forward and got saved. And I'll tell you what, I'm like, whoa, I'm back in the saddle again. <laughs> Souls to be saved. Amen. How long has it been? Jesus had to remind them, remember the call? Remember I said, you're going to be fishers of men. I want to ask you, Grace Community, have you lost the love for souls? Is church just, oh, another time to come and hear our good preacher preach a good message and, and uh, go to Sunday school or whatever? And, but you think about the people out here in Richmond. Can I tell you more and more I see there are a lot of unsafe people in America. We can't just say anymore we assume everybody's a Christian. I'll tell you, they're not. And we need to say, dear God, bring back that wonder of your call to be fishers of men. And when they realized, hey, it's Jesus, and maybe this morning you realize Jesus is waking you up again to the call. Yes, 
Yes, I remember. Boy, is that wonderful. I remember I want to be a fisher of men. And would you come back and say, oh, God, just stir me up once again. And so the Lord stirred him up. <laughs> Throw the net on the other side. <gasps> that reminds me of their call. Yes, he always will bring you back. Number three, there's a, another wonder of our salvation, how Jesus loves to reveal himself. And that's number three, just the wonder of Jesus himself. Verse nine, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so were the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, let me just put the, the, the setting here. Peter gets out of the boat. He, of course, he swims to the shore at first, and he gets out, and he looks down, and what does Jesus have prepared there? A fire. Where was the last time Peter kind of left the Lord? At a fire. Remember when he denied him at the fire, the coals of fire? Remember he was warming himself as Jesus was on trial, and they asked him, hey, aren't you one of those Galileans? Uh, blankety blank, no, you know. He did that three times, and he gets out of the, and Jesus is there by a coal of fire, and coals of fire, and I'm, boy, oh, why are you reminding me of that, Lord? He's like, I just want to bring you back to the last time you denied me, the last time you walked away from me. And so that's the setting. Then verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these? Now, the these, I think, are the fish. What did Peter love to do? I go fishing. I want to feel like a man again. You know, he takes his shirt off, and they're riding the boat, and they're catching fish, and, but they caught nothing. And Jesus said, you know, did you catch anything? No. Yeah, it's pretty empty, isn't it? And they said, you know, he reminds them of the call. And then he brings the fish up there, and he, they drag him up, 153 great big huge fish. That's, that's pretty neat, man. I, I imagine there was a time in Peter's life when fish were like, whoa, nothing like catching 153 big fish. You know, I mean, even the net wasn't broke. That's pretty wonderful for a fisherman. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, I grew up on a farm. I remember one day we bailed 1,400 bales of hay and got it in the barn the same day with our shirts off. Yeah, wonder. Yeah, bailing alfalfa hay. Nothing better smelling than that stuff, right? Yeah. Nothing better than the smell of fish on a good morning. You're like, what? Yeah, for a fisherman. And Jesus says, remember how great it was to catch 153 fish and a net wasn't broken? And Do you love me more than these? Peter, where's your heart? 
Do you love me more than these? I want to ask you this morning, what's your fish? I remember growing up on the farm, and when I was young, I hated it, but as I got older, you started getting that, you know, gets in your veins, you know, and you're like, yeah, fish, you know, bailing hay, cows. Boy, there's nothing like a good Jersey cow. <laughs> you're all like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I'm sure Peter had the same decision. I got so I loved to take the cows of the county fair and show them for prizes and woo and bale and hay and man, it was an adventure. And as I was getting ready to go to Bible college, study to be a pastor, I went to say goodbye to my uncle. I, I was my uncle's farm I worked on. And he's the old guy who taught me to love the cows, and we worked together so well. And after five summers of work with my uncle, I remember I was getting ready to leave and Went to go say goodbye to him as my way to college. And I remember he was squatting down there milking a cow. And he looked up to me and he said, you know, Kenny, if you don't want to, you don't have to go to Bible college. He says, why don't you become a partner with me? I'll give you half my farm. You stay with me. And he says, we'll build a new milking barn up on the hill over there. And I'll build you a house. You can find a girl and get married. And we'll farm together. And and." Woo! I was like, you mean you'd give me half the farm? And you know what? Jesus was asking me, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the cows, Ken? What is it that will take your heart away from me? And at that time, I said, Uncle Jim, I really appreciate the offer, but I want to go become a preacher. I want to preach about Jesus. And I want to ask you, what's your fish today? Do you love me more than these? There's, it comes in many different ways. There's ways that other things can draw our hearts away from Jesus. But I'll tell you what, the wonder of Jesus. And so he asked him three times. I, I like, let's go down and read this. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Not, cheat, not uh, fish anymore, but lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, why do you think he asked him three times, do you love me? How many times had Peter denied Jesus? Three times. You see, there's this constant reminding, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? But it's very interesting. The first two times, Jesus asked him with the Greek word agape, one of the words for love, agape. Peter, do you agape me? Now, a lot of times in Christianity, we're like, this is the highest form of love because it's the kind of love that's unconditional and it's, it's a love of duty and and uh, it's, it's kind of the love that you pledge to your wife when you say, I, I will love you forever, you know. And then after you live together for a couple months, you're like, what in the world was I talking about? You know, you, you kind of drive me nuts. And, well, you drive me nuts too. And, and you know, you kind of like, oh. And uh, they're like, well, you know what? We got to make it work. I, I love you and I got to. Or you have kids and, they, and you're like, oh, with babies. And then they stay awake all night. They cry, you know, like, you know, I'd just like to give this kid back to something, you know. I, 
give it back to the hospital. You know, it's just, I don't want, it's not fun anymore. You know, the puppy love's gone. And, and you're like, no, but agape loves, I'm responsible and love my wife and love these little brats. And then I'm going to just stick it out. Yeah, that's what true love is. Those are the first two loves that Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? Do you, do you agape me? Lord, you know, that's the highest form of love. Yes, I have my duty. I will love you, and I know that I have responsibility. But then the third time says, Peter, do you phileo me? Phileo is kind of like brotherhood love. In other words, do you ever have a friendship where you're like, man, that guy's really, I, I, man, he likes the same things I like. And, they, you know, they're my friend. We have the same interests, like to go hunting together or this or that. That's kind of like my Uncle Jim and I. We both love cows and bailing alfalfa hay, you know. It's like, yeah, you want to farm together? I'd love to because we have this brotherhood. This is kind of when you really like somebody. It's like, a, do you love me? You know, well, I have to, brother, you know. Hey, when I joined the church, I said I'd love you. You know, people that I love you in the Lord, you know. It's kind of like I have to. But how? I think Jesus... I don't think, I think he was talking about the highest form of love. I think he very deeply leans over, you know, and he's like, Peter, I want to know if you like me. Do you like this whole thing? You, you just, you know, or would you rather go with a fish? A little bit more exciting, like, well, I'll do my duty, go to church, God, and I'll do this for you. Uh, folks, I want to ask you, do you love Jesus? Do you love talking to him? Do you love preaching about him? Do you love sharing him with the world? I mean, he's like your friend. And he says, he called him, you're no longer my, you're my friends. I want this relationship where I like you. And I'll tell you, the longer I'm married to my sweet, sweet wife, Jenner, we're like more phileo love. It's not like, well, okay, I'll put up with you for another 50 years. I had to, you know. It's like, I'm really enjoying this. Jenner, you want to go do this? Yeah, you want to? Yeah, come on. We like each other. I think that's the highest form of love. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you like hanging around with me? I know you deny me. It's okay. You, you know, the fire, remember? Yes, I remember, Lord. But he's saying, it's okay, Peter. I just want to give you three chances. You denied me three times. I give you three times. I just want to know, do you like me? And so the wonder of Jesus, I tell you, I like Jesus. I hope you do too. And that was, is how the Lord likes to reveal himself to us, not just this God who demands that we do these things, but he wants us to serve him out of a heart of love and that we're doing this as a partnership. Number four, there's one more wonder. The last one I want to look at. Verse 15, truly, truly, I say to you, this is one of the truly, trulys in the, in the gospel. It's very interesting. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Number four, here's the fourth wonder we need to remember, the wonder of his power. Number four, the, the wonder of his power. But Peter, remember, 
how you denied me, you chickened out. When before you're like, maybe all the rest of them will, will, not, will deny you, but I won't. Yeah, you did, remember? Three times, yeah. Well, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. It's kind of grieved. I, I, I like you more than the fish. You are the most wonderful thing. And he said, now, Peter, I don't want you to worry about anything. Remember you denied me? But he says, I'll tell you what, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. Peter used to boast about all the things you're going to do, and you can never do it. You failed. But he says, when you're older, from now on, another will dress you. Who's he talking about? The promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, you know what? You're going to need a different kind of power. You're going to need the Holy Spirit, which in 50 days after the after the, the, the Passover where Jesus crucified, you have the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up and preaches this great message to everybody. I don't care who says it. You guys killed the Lord. And I'll tell you, he stands up in front of thousands and preaches and thousands get saved. He says, Peter, you used to dress yourself. Someone else is going to start dressing you. The Holy Spirit is going to dress you with power to do things you would never do without his power. You know what? I'm sure this was a scary time for Peter. This is kind of a scary time. You know? He's like, uh, you know, you're, I'm calling you back. You know, you thought you're going to go back to fishing. No, 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 no. You're going to be a fisherman. You're going to be this great apostle. You're going to travel around the world. You're going to, I can't do it. Listen, another's going to dress you. To the point where Peter became so bold, as it says at the end of this verse, that they when they crucified, uh, when they went to crucify Peter, he says, listen, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Crucify me upside down on a cross. And tradition tells us that's how he was crucified. And that's what John says. Of course, this being written in 90 AD, he would have known that's how Peter died. He said, and he was talking to him about his great strength and, 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 uh, and his courage that he had. I want to ask you, do you need courage? I'll tell you, only the Holy Spirit can do it. I told you about my dream of being a pastor. I became a pastor, but before I became a pastor, I had graduated from Bible college, and, and I said, I'm ready, Lord, but, you know, Lord, I'm afraid. I, I love the preaching part, but I don't love the visiting part. I'm scared of people. Be great. The ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. And I was like, you know, God, I, I was like, I've got to hit this head on. And I, I said, Lord, I probably need to start out as a visitation pastor. And so one day I was praying about this. I, I was scared to death to visit people. But I said, God, i got to learn to do this. And I remember Pastor Cooper called me up, and this, uh, the pastor I ended up working for, he calls up. He says, I'm looking for a youth and visitation pastor. I'm like, I didn't know they existed, you know, youth and visitation. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I got there, and he goes, okay, I want you to visit Two people, two, two homes on Monday night, two homes on Tuesday night, two homes on Thursday night. Friday, you can have your day off. Wednesday's prayer meeting. And Saturday, I want you to do the youth work. And Sunday, you'll be in church all day. And so I'm telling you what. I was like, are you serious? Yes. And he says, every morning, you would tell me about your visits. You know, so I got to church. And I was like, yes, I visited this guy, at this family at 7 o'clock, this family at 8 o'clock. You can ask my wife because she stayed home with those little brats as I went out on visitation. Every, every two, you know, three times, three nights a week, I was out visiting. I'll tell you what, you think I was scared? I was scared to death. I had to pick up the phone to make appointments. But I'll tell you what, 
the Holy Spirit gave me power. And after I did that for four years, I was four years, I, I wasn't, I pick up that phone, hello, I'm coming to your house and you're going to let me in. They're like, yes, sir, pastor, you know. And, and I, man, I wasn't afraid anymore. How did I know that just, to, you know, I, that then I was a senior pastor for six years and I went out at, you know, two nights a week. I was like, I'm, I'm on easy street. And, uh, and then God called me to work at a, at a Bible college where I had to go out and meet people, recruit them, to, and then to become a missionary. And, and I, you know what? God has prepared me, and I never thought I could do it. I never wanted to do it. But the Holy Spirit clothed me. And some of you are like, how, how could I ever go out and witness? You know, I'm so scared of people, and I'm scared of this. I'm, I'm sure Peter at this point was scared, but Jesus says, i got a promise for you. And I want you to remember as you go out, another will clothe you, the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit, and he will empower you to face the things you're afraid of. And you can love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. Amen? And so listen, remember, Jesus will always bring you back to where you got off. He'll say, hey, remember the, yeah, I remember I denied you. Remember the call? Oh, yes. Remember when I said, children, you can't go, but you will. Listen, it's here. And Jesus wants to reveal himself to you just like he did there. I just love John's like, there's another time Jesus revealed himself, and here's the story. I remember it well. And I pray that this morning God will say, I want to reveal myself to you this morning. I want you to love me, Jesus. Not, not just, I want you to like me. Are you there? Are you out fishing somewhere and caught nothing? And you're just kind of like, this isn't fun anymore. Come back to Jesus. Let's go out and be fishers of men. Amen? Amen. And ask Jesus Christ for the boldness to change us from something we are not without him. But with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, we can be witnesses and go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father, oh, thank you for this beautiful story. Oh, the wonder of your grace. We're such pieces of garbage that can't do anything, and yet you love us, and you tenderly call us children. Have you caught anything? And oh, the wonder of your call. Call us, Lord, this day. Call us back to say, I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to... Uh, there's four things that never crowd is enough, and one of them is the empty womb. Father, may we have the heart of Rachel and Hannah. That will cry out, give me spiritual babies. Fill my womb with those that will become born again. Oh, God, renew that within us. And oh, the wonder of just Jesus yourself. Oh, that we might love you because we enjoy you. You're our friend. We want to tell the world about you and your grace, your mercy, your kindness. And oh, the wonder of your power. Oh, God, we're so feeble. Maybe this message is kind of scaring us. I don't think I can do that. Well, clothe us. Clothe us. Dress us by another power that we've never had before. And Father, bring many souls to you. 
out of Richmond, Michigan. Oh God, do your work in a great way. We can't do it. Help us. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.